The topic that I'm going to talk to you about today is happily ever after. What is happiness? So I was reading and I remembered that in the book, not in the movie, there's this part where, you know, she meets the tin man, they already have met with the scarecrow, and they're having a conversation that is not included in the movie, and I was surprised. But in the book, it's like the scarecrow and the tin man are talking about what they're going to ask the Wizard of Oz, right? And the um, scarecrow said, I'm going to ask for a brain. And then the tin man's like, I want to ask for a heart. Because why would, it, why would you want a brain, right? A heart will make a man happy. And happy is the best thing in the world, right? So I was like, whoa, how interesting. You see, the reason for this topic is because for about a year, I have been thinking a lot about this. The Lord brought it to my mind. Is happiness really, truly our goal? But that's all I hear, right? As long as you're happy. And I'm not talking about out there. I'm talking about in the churches. Myself, I have said that this makes me happy, so I'm going to do it. And I'm not saying that, you know, you can only do things that make you sad. <laughs> No, um, but I thought it was so interesting about this kid's book, right? Or from so young, and we think about this. Like, what would you want a brain, right? You should want a heart because love makes someone happy. Happily ever after. Okay, think of a movie or a book that you really, really like. It probably had a happy ending, right? If not, raise your hand. Did you love things with not happy endings? No. Oh, maybe we have one. <laughs> I remember um, when I was uh, in Bulgaria and someone said, you know, all the American movies have happy endings, but here in Europe we have movies with sad endings, you know, and just people die and that's it. <laughs> There's no, like, you know, something else, but... Um, so it might vary for cultures, but I think in general, we just like happy endings. And that's not bad, but I want us to think about what the Lord brought into my mind about a year of what is this that has come into our culture and we are hearing it everywhere. Why do I crave happiness? Is it really the goal? Like, this is what I want. It makes me happy. Well... Have you ever thought of what happiness means, the word happiness? It really works in, um, so in English, happiness comes from the word hap, or happen. So happiness really is when something that you want happens. So think about it. Every time that you feel happy is because something happened that you wanted it to happen. So it's not really that something good happened, it could have, or that something bad happened. It's just as long as that's what you wanted, and it happened, therefore you feel happy. Okay, there's another thing very interesting. I want you to see this. Our brains, God created them so interestingly. Um, did you know that your positive emotions are not on the same hemisphere of the brain as your negative emotions? So have you ever heard that if you want to feel happy, you should sleep more? Have you ever heard that? 
No. Oh, I thought you did. <laughs> well, it's actually proven. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, sleep better, eat better. All those things are good for you, right? But that's not affecting your positive emotion atmosphere of the brain. It's actually affecting the negative side. So when you sleep better, when you eat healthy, when you do all these things, it's actually making the negative emotions less. So you have less negative emotions, you're less anxious, you're less sad, or you have all those negative emotions are less. But you could still not be happy and be healthy, right? You could, you could be very happy because all the things you want to happen, happen, and yet also be very, very sad, anxious all at the same time. So they're actually not affecting one or the other, like, parallel. So on your right hemisphere is where all your negative emotions, right? So someone tell me a negative emotion. Come on, you can scream. It's okay. What? Annoyed. Okay, another negative emotion. Angry. Angry, yes. Angry, probably there too. <laughs> uh, another negative emotion from back there. What? No? You forgot Sad. your emotions? Sad? <laughs> Fear. Yes. Okay, what are some positive emotions that they are in your left side of the hemisphere of the brain? Positive emotions? Excited. Happy. Excited. What else? After you eat. Oh, after you eat. <laughs> I love that. That should be just the name. After you eat. <laughs> Before and after. They're both different sides of the brain. <laughs> Uh, but yes, so there was a study done. This is what the picture represents. So can you see there are like two little eyes? And there's a little TV, like an old TV. <laughs> or just not old, you know, from not so long ago. Let's say that. Uh, so there was a study done of people that they, they didn't tell them there was a study. They just put them on a screen and they were watching all like, happy movies, you know, puppies, and things that were just like so cute, and then realized that activity in their left hemisphere, that's where they saw activity. All those positive emotions, right? Excited, oh, this is cute, oh, butterflies in your stomach, or if you like romantic movies, or things like that. They saw activity in your, the left side of the brain. And then they did another study when in the screen, they were like horror things. And have you ever heard of the movie Saw? Or like things that are just no pleasant. And the activity was on the right side of the brain. But also, if you see in the picture below, there are those little cute people. <laughs> and when they saw, they also study in the brains, but there was a kid alone by himself, okay? They just put him in isolation. Then again, the same signals in the brain, it was on the right side of the brain. And then when they put the kids with friends and then things that they, you know, they were not in isolation anymore, the activity was on the left side of the brain. So emotions and relations had a lot to do too, right? A lot of like, if we're in isolation, we tend to just humanly have more negative emotions and they increase. And if we are with other people and 
you know, we're not in isolation, then our positive emotions increase. What is all of this? You know, I did not sign up for this. <laughs> but it's because I want us to just think about how happiness is just one of those emotions. And I kept wondering when and how one of the emotions that God created as a signal, right? Do you remember? They would do these studies and there were just signals in our brains. Things that were meant as signals and just emotions. How did that become now the everything? Now it's just all that I want, the number one thing. I heard recently, God wants us to be happy, right? And I was like, yeah, no, wait, what? My brain just started thinking, what is this? Where in the Bible talks that we have to be happy? And the more that you study that it's just an emotion, this guy said, oh, God's God wants us to be always feeling after we have eaten. You know, we, that's our, our goal. No, but we have made happiness a goal. In Matthew 6, 21, does anyone know what it says? It's not competition, I guess. But <laughs> in Matthew 6, 21, I was testing you to see if you were awake. It says, what is in your heart, right? Your treasure. That's, what is your treasure? What is our treasure? Is it to, for all the things we want to happen, to happen? Or, we'll see next, or. What is actually the Bible talks about? Not about happiness. If you find a verse that talks about happiness, Come to me, <laughs> because then this would all be for nothing, because actually it does not talk about happiness. Actually, happiness has a cost. I will call it the cost of happiness. It's like many other things. You know, if you have it too much, it will not do good to you, <laughs> because it's just an emotion, a good emotion, but like any other. So have a purpose for a specific time, for a specific reason. It never was meant to be our goal, what we seek the most, what we crave the most. But I have been there too. And because I've been there, I have experienced some of these costs of happiness. There's something called the illusion of control. Have you ever heard of the illusion of control? So I don't know if you realize, but happiness and control go hand in hand like friends. So remember I said happiness is when everything you want to happen happens. And another synonym for that is control. I want to control my circumstances. I want everything to be the way I want, at the time that I want, right? And when it happens, or when we achieve something, we feel happy. <laughs> but also that is another part of our body that got created. It is, have you ever heard of dopamine? Right? So there's like, you know, all those achievements and all those things that you want to happen happen. You have a lot of dopamine and that's the, the hormone of, you know, feeling good and you want more of that. But again, that was meant for a specific reason and small doses, not something that is all the time that we are addicted to it. So you have the illusion of control and that is when you control a situation, you plan very every single detail, Planning is not bad, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but you know, you're like controlling everything and everything goes exactly how you plan it. Then the illusion comes like, wow. That means that every time, 
that I control every part of it. Every time it's going to go the way I plan it. And we believe the illusion. The next time, it didn't work, right? Something happened. There was um, things that happened in this world because we live in a broken world. It can, that's not how it works. And guess what? You're broken too. <laughs> so your planning are not perfect. So guess what? We realize, oh, I cannot control everything. But that one time worked. The illusion's still there. So guess what? Next time, you're going to do it again. You're going to plan and control everything because you are so sure that the more that you control it, then it will happen because you like for things to happen how you wanted it to happen. And I've been there. So anxiety is one of the costs of happiness. Because when there's so much desire for control, of controlling my circumstances or controlling things to be the way I want them, that causes anxiety. Have you ever been there? I have been there. And sometimes I'm still there. <laughs> but when I have realized that, that there is something deeper there, it's not just, just came by itself, you know? Oh, I just, I just feel anxious. But why do you feel anxious? Are you believing the illusion of control? That yes, you can control everything in your circumstances. But also, there's another problem. You see, um, besides anxiety, we also have another cause, broken relationships. Remember when I talk about the kids, you know? So one of the things we want to control are relationships or the people around us. I do this a lot. And I thought a great example of that is in the Bible. You remember the story of Sarah, Abraham, and Hagar. Talk about control and trying to, you know, happiness. Okay, she knew that God promised her she will have a son. And I don't, you know, I don't say, oh, Sarah, you could have done better. No, I would have done probably worse <laughs> if I would have been there. She waited a long time. So let's look back and see all the years that she was faithful and I just remember that one time, you know, that she screwed up because we probably have screwed up more times. <laughs> but it's just a great example of how that pursuit of happiness caused broken relationships. So at that one moment, she thought, oh, it will be really happy if I have a son. And God told me that I could, and God wants me to be happy, so it's okay, I'm just going to do it my way, at the end it's going to be the same result, right? But actually what she's seeking is more about happiness, right? Her focus, she still thought that she may have thinking, okay, a son, you know, for, that's what God promised, it will still be for him. Actually she's just thinking of her happiness, so... She goes and then all these broken relationships and then Hagar and look what has happened for generations, you know? Then we have a whole people group that believe that it was actually through Ishmael, you know, that the, the God talked and, and maybe this wouldn't have happened. I don't know. <laughs> Who are we to say? But I know that I would have probably done the same as Sarah, but Sarah decided to take control over her relationship. And we do that sometimes also. Have you ever thought, I am going to um, be this sort of person, so this person likes me. 
It's, it sounds very tiny. That is control. That is pursuit of happiness. You're saying, I feel happy when people like me. So I'm going to take control and be like what I think she likes me. Or something I have done a lot too is wonder what people think of me. I think people would think of me this way if I do this. I am controlling people's thoughts. <laughs> That's what I think I am, you know, the illusion of control. So I think that if I say this in our next conversation, then I am somehow controlling the way that you're going to think about me. That could cause broken relationships. Also, next cause, your integrity. You're not being honest. You are putting a mask. You're not, you're costing your whole integrity just to control and to present yourself as that person because it makes you happy and it makes me happy too. The people like me, the people have only good thoughts about me. And if that's what we want or all that we want, it will cost us a lot. Also it will cost you, ex you'll be exhausted. It's so exhausting, especially it comes to your image. It's exhausting trying to control what other people think of me. And it happens a hundred times a day. <laughs> and I hope I am not alone in this, right? Am I the only one? No. And here the nationals probably 200 times a day, <laughs> right? The more that you're surrounded by people, people you haven't seen in a long time, probably. And then you're just exhausted. You feel anxious maybe because of all this. You're trying to control so the things that you want happen. There's a big, big cost. Bigger than all the ones I just mentioned. And it's powerless faith. When your pursuit of happiness, it takes you, therefore, to control your circumstances and your situations and that illusion of control, you are powerless in your faith because you're saying, I'm going to rely on my resources, which are nothing, by the way, and I'm going to rely on everything that I can do. And God is just your last resource. Even if, well, sometimes we don't even go there <laughs> to God. And it can be also in the little details. So this morning, I thought, okay, in this conversation I'm having with this person, if I react this way, they will like me more. And when, what should I have done at that moment? You know, do that, do that control. Or I was like, oh God, no, 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 please help me. You know, I, I need you to help me to, to be myself and not to try to control the people's thoughts or maybe is a relationship. So I just came from camp and I want to tell you a story about it. It was youth camp, 10 and 12 year olds. 10, 11, and 12, and this girl came to me. She actually seemed more like she was 20 years old because, my goodness. But she came to me and she said, I'm sad. And I'm like, why? This boy doesn't like me. I'm like, you're 11. <laughs> and then she says, but I'm like, I have been there too when I was 11. So I remembered. And she says, and I told her like, okay, you know, tell me more. She's like, yeah, she just, he just likes another girl, but I want him. I'm like, whoa, are you 11? 
And she kept repeating that phrase, I want him. And I said, are you, I asked her, I know she's just 11, but it's okay. Ask her, are you strong or are you weak in your mind? She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I want him. I was like, no, listen, it's all here in your mind. If you're strong, you can say, I don't need him to like me. You know, that's, that's not, if, if he would like you and you like him, he loves God, you love God, you know, that's something else. But she was just consuming her whole life for this boy to like her. And she only wanted him. That's interesting. That's one story. But I remember also being there. And never, never someone told me that that was an emotion that didn't have to control me. Because everywhere we hear is that you're meant to be happy, right? God wants us to be happy. And I'm not saying no. That's awesome. But it's just an emotion. <laughs> so we talked about the cause of happiness. You're like, Karen, can you say something positive, please? <laughs> yes, I can. Because instead of happiness, the Bible does talk about being blessed. Now, blessed doesn't mean that the things you want happen, right? Because that's the meaning of happiness. So what does it mean to be blessed? It does not mean that you get all these blessings, which is actually a good home and, and all these things. Actually, blessed means to be approved by God. Do you remember Matthew 5, the Beatitudes? So the Bible doesn't talk about being happy because that's an emotion. The Bible talks about being blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. What? Blessed are those who are happy. Oh, no, it doesn't say happy. Uh, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. What? I know we have read this before, right? Have you ever read this before? But yeah, it's just like, there's probably a song somewhere in a VBS and they're singing this. But we still read this and at the same time said, God wants us to be happy and it's okay, you know, if it makes you happy. It's like there are two things fighting against each other because at the end, Happiness is going to cost you because if you really put happiness high, high up here, guess what? You're going to do anything. Maybe you don't think so, but it starts little by little. It starts little as, I want them to think good of me. Then it goes to, um, I really want you know, to do this and I know that it's kind of gray. I'm not sure that God approves it, but it's okay. I really want it. God wants me to be happy. So you do the next step. And then all of a sudden you're doing something that clearly like black, you know, and white. This is, doesn't agree with God. How did I got here? It started with a little, I just want, you know, for them to think good of me. The little, when you're experimenting with controlling and the illusion of control and how it feels to have all this dopamine and, and feeling happiness and just going to keep taking you further and further. Powerless faith, you're not going to rely on God anymore. 
So instead of seeking happiness, seek to be blessed, approved by God. So it's, it's going to take time, but I challenge you from now on to listen well. Every time that someone mentions happiness. And think about when did they say it and why did they say it. Because since I've been praying for this, I've been listening. And just today, I heard it five times. It's a cool dynamic. Do it. Like, get a pencil or something. Just see how many times a person mentions, this makes me happy. I want this because it makes me happy. And I'm not saying, you know, don't get coffee because that makes you happy. No, please get coffee. It's a good emotion. Happiness is a good emotion that God created. But it's just sometimes it has taken the step that God should have. And instead of wanting God's approval, we're wanting our happiness approval. If it has the happiness approval, then we should do it, right? It's very hard. It goes against the current, right? It's like we're going against the culture. But try and pursue being blessed. And what do you do for that? Meekness. Very against the culture. Merciful. Pure in heart. This is difficult. <laughs> Maybe not for you. But I'll be honest. It is hard. It's very difficult, especially in this society right now, wherever I go. I, am, I think it's here too, not just in Europe, but everywhere. It's hard to be pure in heart when all the TV that I want to watch, that they're so fun. Like, it makes me happy to watch a lot of these TV shows or, or books and things. It makes me happy. And yeah, you know, take the good and take the bad, but sometimes it can affect that because it's addictive, so I want to crave more and more, and then I have not been desiring to be blessed. So when you realize you're taking more time for other things instead of reading your Bible, or you're taking more time of thinking about, you know, if you are 11, like I was, and that girl is about a boy, or if you are older, and you're thinking about, the opinions of others of you or whatever it is that circumstance that you're taking control meditate also in your heart God show me where am I believing the illusion of control why am I pursuing so much that instead of pursuing you and your approval change of seasons or trying to change your circumstances is a great symptom of pursuit of happiness. Think about this. You really, really, really don't like the circumstances that you are right now. You really don't like the season you are right now, okay? You don't like it, whatever it is. Think about it right now. What season have you been? Maybe you are one that you really like right now. So all the dopamine is just floating right there. You're enjoying it. But you probably have been or you are in a situation where I don't like this. I, am, I don't like my circumstances. This is a great place for pursuit of happiness to start kicking and you're going to be like, I just want to feel good right now because everything around me doesn't feel good. So what do you tend to do? I tend to go for happy movies, right? It takes me away from all the chaos is in my life. I'm just going to concentrate on how this girl ended up with a boy that liked her and it was happily ever after. I love romantic movies. So that's my go-to. 
but you know it could have been different if instead of the pursuing those happy emotions i'm thinking okay the world's crumbling right now my family's going through a lot i'm going through a lot nothing that around me is a circumstance i want to be on that's when you are to think happiness or bless choose bless what would be approved by god okay right now would be a great time to pray more to fast, to um, maybe do good things, but with my friends outside, you know, and or when your circumstances may be mourning, you can be blessed. Bless those who mourn, right? Um, have you ever heard of the Enneagram? No, I don't see many hands. Yeah, okay. You guys are falling asleep. Wake up! <laughs> be blessed! <laughs> but um, so the Enneagram, there's one, uh, it's kind of like a personality test thing. There's one called number seven, and I'm one of them. And we're called the enthusiast. So we crave happy feelings. So we don't like to just be sad. So if something sad happens, we avoid it. We're like, everything is good, everything is fine. <laughs> you know, nothing is disaster, but it's true. And then there are other personalities who tend to be more melancholic, you know. You know, they just always are just wallowing and the, you know, the feelings. My sister-in-law is like that, and it's awesome. We're beautiful in God's image, you know, but um, we're very different. So I struggle with this because I like to run away from the negative emotions. Remember what I told you at the beginning? You could have a lot of happy emotions and also at the same time have a lot of negative emotions. Not because you're affecting one is going to affect the other. Yes, eat well, you know, sleep well. It's going to help reduce those negative emotions. But that's not going to give you happiness. But also, is that what we want? No. That's one of the emotions. Sometimes, is this in Ecclesiastes? What does it say? Someone yell, yell at me. Just tell me what Ecclesiastes says about seasons in life. Well, I'm not hearing you. <laughs> it's a time for everything. So why do we have to seek to always be happy? No. What if we normalize to sometimes be happy, sometimes be this, but always be blessed? And don't, again, don't think of blessings as things from God like gifts. Think of blessing as approval of God. You're being obedient to him. You're seeking to be merciful and meek instead of seeking to be happy. That's just an emotion. Right after that, it says you're the salt and light. If we live in a world that is bombarding us with that, the pursuit of happiness, then we are to be salt and light, right? But it's so hard. Sometimes I've been in the mission field, like, Lord, it's so hard. Yes, a missionary, sometimes it's hard for them to tell people about Jesus. <laughs> we sometimes want to quit. <laughs> I don't know if Miss Ruth feels the same. Maybe she never felt that way, but I have felt that way. So don't feel like, oh, because I'm not a missionary, you know, I'm, I have to just, only them can really do that. No. All of you, if you're solved, you know, if you have God in you, and now you have realized, hey, it's to be blessed is what we should pursue. So show that example to others. When you hear it in a conversation, and you're going to hear it, hey, as long as it makes you happy, you know, 
stop them right there with mercy, you know, and grace. And you could say, actually, that's very interesting. You pointed that out. Um, point them how different you are. You say, actually, I'm not seeking to just be happy. I want to be blessed. Then they're going to ask you, what do you mean? He says, I just want to have God's approval. And maybe that's in a very serious conversation, but I, it could probably even help you with a silly conversation, you know? Who thought that every time someone is going to mention to you, just as long as it makes you happy or, you know, it's good, it makes you happy. God wants us to be happy, right? Be that salt and tell him, actually, I want to be blessed. I choose to be blessed over being happy. And just seek the approval of God in everything that you do. So when your friends talk to you about it, or if you are presenting also the gospel to someone, don't sell the product before you present them with the maker of the product. Okay, think about this. Sometimes we're like, so you want to be happy? And always, you know, all these things that, you know, your family to be happy. I've heard Christians saying this, and probably you haven't. Sometimes I've done it too. You just need Jesus in your heart, and he will give you happiness and peace and joy. Is it true? Yes. The Lord gives us joy and all these things. But sometimes we are selling the product, all the things that God can do for you, and we forget to tell them about God. We forget to first tell them about God, Jesus. Then we tell him of all the things that he offers. The first time I heard this advice, it shook me. Because it's another reason of that craveness of happiness, right? So, because I think people would be more interested in God if they see all the things that God can do for them. But that is impossible. <laughs> That's not a good reason. They need to first meet the person who created, you know, the person, God. Know who He is. Talked about who He is. About His approval. Then said, oh, I feel peace and joy. He has changed me and transformed me. Sometimes we kind of jump. Because it's, that, it's in us, the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of all those happy results. Um, but there is a happy ending. And I want to end with that. Uh, okay, if I say that there's a book in the Bible that talks about happy ending, it doesn't say that we're happy, remember? The Bible doesn't say that. But it talks about happy end in general. Can you guess what book of the Bible that is? Hmm? Revelations. Revelations. Yay! I was like, they're not going to get it. I forgot. You guys are smart. <laughs> Probably smarter than me. It is. When I was studying for this, I was like, but there is an ever, happily ever after. You know, it's in Revelations. If you have your Bible, I would love for you to follow me there because it's Revelations 21, 1 to 5. And this is something that we can tell our friends that we need to remind ourselves of. We want to seek God's approval and we want to be reminded of the truly, true, happily ever after. In Revelations 21, verse 1 to 5. Now I saw new heavens and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, 
coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat at the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. I, you may have read again this portion, but the part it says, He will dwell with them. Think again of your, that book, if you like to read books, or the movie, and you know, what is usually the happily ever after? They finally, it's just where I'm ready at the end. You know, she's about to go to the airport, always the airport, and then she's gonna leave, and she thinks that he's not going back, and he's coming back, and then they're dwelling together. As the bride is waiting for the groom, I told this morning, and my, um, the other seminar, and if you're single, I want you to hear this, and is that one of the, you know how the matrimony, marriage presents the gospel, you know about that? You know that singleness also presents a very di distinctive part of the gospel. As you're single and you're waiting for your husband, pure and white, as the bride is waiting for Christ. So I love this passage and, and I want to talk to you, especially you if you, you know, you're single and you are waiting and don't try to change the season so fast because you are waiting and the way that you wait, just like the bride of the church is waiting for Christ's return, that's a way to show the people the gospel. We are all waiting, right? Because we're all the church. Have you ever seen the movie or read the books, Love Comes Softly? Yes? Try to remember the part, I'm trying to think, I think it's the first, yeah, the first one. So his father got injured and he couldn't finish to prepare, you know, for the harvest, right? Do you remember? He got really, really injured. And they were like, what's going to happen, you know? And they're all eating meals together at the bed because he can't go anywhere. And he says that you have to remember, you know, our heavenly realm. That it's got, like what the Lord is doing, what the Lord is preparing for us. And he kept talking about, let's just think about those things. About heaven and about the happy ending. That one, I give you permission to want. That is a good happiness to want. If it's that one, you know, the true happy ending, yes, go to that. You know, it's, we need that. I love, because I don't know if it's a Christian movie, but I love how they were in this very hard circumstance that they probably wanted to change. The father was very, very uh, injured. And they said, let's just think right now of the moment that we will be in heaven one day and our tears will be wiped away, you know, and there will be no more sorrow, no more death. 
So that craving of happiness comes because actually it was not meant to be this way. It was not meant to be this way, right? Sin broke everything. It broke us, it broke the world. So that craveness is actually a craveness for that holiness and a perfect world that God created, but it was broken. But we know that one day He will redeem us. Oh, He has redeemed us, but He will redeem everything. So that is something that we can look up to, that we can be like, I want that happiness. That one, I give you permission. Not, just not me, really, the Bible. And I wanted to leave you with that. To think of the truly happy ending. And again, if you are talking to someone, I just, I love to find ways to talk to people about God. So you have that first one, remember? You can tell them, I choose to be blessed over being happy. And the second you could do, have I ever told you about a story of happy ending? And you can, can tell them about, there will be a happy ending where you could dwell with God. And there will be no more tears and no more death. I'm sure that will stir up some good conversations. And that's what I want, you know, because we're meant to learn and not just for us, but to share with those around us.